Coming up on this week's show, we've got four great author interviews from the LA Times Festival of Books. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 185 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, hello. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Rhonda and Reggie for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join them at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Now, I know that you were rather busy traveling. Uh, do you want to discuss that? Oh, goodness. It at w- any length? It was a week. Or would you rather forget about it? <laughs> I would like to forget about it. But we can enshrine it here in the podcast. <laughs> yes, let's enshrine. Um, get to shrining. Get to shrining. So we went. We were at the LA Times Festival of Books last weekend. We flew down on Saturday, came back first thing Monday morning. And then I turned around. Was I home like three hours? Roughly. Three, four hours, and then I turned around, went back to the airport, and went to Dallas for a couple of days for the day job. And just to keep things going, I'm actually leaving again this coming Monday for a couple days away, too. There's too many airplanes in my life right now, folks. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. Uh, While I was away, though, I actually uh, made the decision to abandon the Christmas story that I was writing, or at least abandon temporarily. I don't think it's dead forever and ever. Um, Things have been busy uh, outside of the writing life, and I decided to de-stress myself a little bit because if I was going to get that story in for Dream Spinner, it had to be done by the end of the month, and that just it wasn't going to get to a submission quality um, piece if I was trying to get it done in the next, like, what, what is that, like 12 days, 13 days? And I was reading, we, we support Rachel Heron uh, on her Patreon, and as such, we get some really groovy essays about 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 just creativity and, and how to look at it. And I was reading while I was sitting in the airport coming home from Dallas about knowing when to let something go. And I came home that very night and went, you know what, I'm not doing this story because I can't. So thank you, Rachel Heron, for showing me the way. <laughs> And some much better news uh, that actually broke last week, but we didn't get to talk about it here. Uh, a couple of shows with gay characters in movies are coming soon. Uh, we've talked on this show a little bit already about Casey McQuiston's uh, debut novel, Red, White, and Royal Blue. And it was announced last week by Amazon that they are picking it up as a movie and that Greg Berlante's production company is attached to it. Uh, of course, Greg is responsible for the Arrowverse on the CW and was also the director behind Love, Simon from last year. So super excited about this movie. Uh, I actually have been able to read that book and interview Casey. Casey's actually going to be on the show in a couple weeks on episode 187. Uh, It is so good. You should just pre-order this book now uh, because as we talked about in our episode a few weeks ago about Mm -hmm. what we were looking forward to, this was high on that list and it, it lives up to everything. Speaking of Simon, 
It was also announced, I think within 24 hours of Red, White, and Royal Blue, yeah. that Love, Simon is going to become a series on the new Disney Plus streaming service. And of course, Disney Plus is that service where all the Marvel movies are going to be and all the Star Wars stuff and all the Disney stuff. And they have picked up Simon to be part of their series, which is super exciting. There's not a lot of information out right now. And I know Becky Albertalli was talking about that there was some misinformation out there about what the series was going to be. So we'll just leave it as saying that Love, Simon, in some fashion, is coming to Disney+. <laughs> and aside from all the other stuff on that service, that right there will be enough to get me to pay six ninety nine a month to see that. So that was super exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, also this past weekend, we went to the theater. Yes, we did. And I'll apologize now for bringing you along, because you did not much appreciate what we went to see. <laughs> but we did catch the tour, which was coming through Sacramento, of The Lightning Thief, uh, the Percy Jackson musical. Yes, this is a musical based on the Rick Reardon books. Uh, specifically, this one musicalizes that first book, The Lightning Thief. Uh, I really liked it. Um, of course, I'm also... Uh, you know, into Harry Potter, which you are not. You you avoided that fandom. Um, I have no connection to the books. I've never read one of these, although they are they are on my TBR to catch eventually, and even more so now that I've seen this musical. The whole story of Percy figuring out his place as a half blood and a demigod and son of Poseidon, <clears throat> and all of that was so fun. <laughs> And it's staged rather minimally, but some of the monsters and the effects were super cool, too, for the the way that they were doing the show. I had an awesome time. And if you're interested on, on Rick Reardon's books, especially their inclusivity of LGBTQ characters, you should also go back to episode 126, because our contributor, Brandon, is a huge Percy Jackson fan and all of Rick Reardon's books that take place in that universe. And she talked a lot about it back in episode 126. Meanwhile, if you are a fan, you can catch The Lightning Thief on tour throughout this summer. And we'll have the link to that site in the show notes. High school hockey player, computer whiz, covert agent. Theo Reese's life is split between being a normal teenager and a secret agent who goes by the code name Winger. After years of providing mission support from behind his keyboard, he's thrust into an unexpected world of adventure and danger. In Tracker Hacker, the first book in the Codename Winger series by Jeff Adams, it becomes personal for Theo, as an enemy organization compromises tactical operational support's agent tracker system. Among the missing agents, his father. Theo puts his life on the line to stop the hack and rescue his dad. Diverse Reader says, Wow, talk about a wild ride from beginning to end. I could not stop reading. Discover the world of Codename Winger with Tracker Hacker. Available in ebook, paperback, and audiobook, as narrated by John Solo. So before we get to this week's book review, we want to quickly mention the new television series that dropped on Netflix a couple of days ago, Special. Um, Special is based on Ryan O'Connell's book, I'm Special and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves. And Ryan uh, wrote and stars in this series. It's about a a guy named Ryan who uh, (laughs) is gay and has cerebral palsy and is... uh, 
essentially striking out on his own for the very first time in his life. He's, you know, in his like 20s and he wants to try something new and get outside of the house where he's a little bit uh, in a <laughs> in a, a weirdly cute but troubling codependent <laughs> relationship with his mother. Um, so he gets an internship at this uh, utterly absurd web magazine called Egg Woke, and he has to <laughs> write clickbaity thought pieces on you know just random stupid stuff, uh, which it turns out he's actually very good at. Uh, uh, when he uh, sort of like starts making friends at his new job, um, some people assume that his limp is from a car accident he was in, uh, which he wrote an article about. Uh, And he lets them believe that. Um, He sort of, for once in his life, uh, gets to live out the fantasy of being a person who does not have cerebral palsy. Um, So he kind of puts himself in a new kind of closet. And so he's uh, trying to, like, navigate what it is uh, to be uh, a... well, essentially a functioning member of society and having to deal with all the crap that goes along with that, i.e. Um, <laughs> dealing with uh, insane people at work <laughs> and, you know, trying to make friends with your colleagues, that kind of thing. Uh, as I mentioned before, it also deals with uh, his relationship with his mom, who is also trying to navigate, you know, what life is supposed supposed to be like when your child leaves the nest uh she ends up having sort of a hot and heavy affair with the cute next door neighbor and it all sort of comes to a head uh at the end of the series uh when they say some rather unkind things and the series sort of ends on a cliffhanger and i'm blaming you jim parsons Uh, jim parsons (laughs) and his husband are actually the executive producers of special uh and it's all their fault they're better be a season two, goddammit. Indeed. I, that's yeah. all I have to say. Anyway, I really think Ryan is just wonderful. Uh, he mm-hmm. is funny and insightful. Um, this is the first time uh, he's ever acted in front of the camera, uh, and he's an utter delight. I think everyone in the cast is uh, pretty exceptional. Really quick before I uh, throw it to you and get your <laughs> your thoughts. Um, special is uh, eight short episodes. Each episode runs about 15 minutes. So you can actually watch the entire series uh, in less time than it takes to watch a Marvel movie. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the blanket statement is that we both really enjoyed it uh, and highly recommend it. Your thoughts, sir. My thoughts. <laughs> um, I agree that Ryan is... Totally adorable, totally likable on camera. Um, Beyond the work relationships and dealing with his mom, Ryan's also looking for Mr. Right. Or or at least someone to date, even if it's not like, it could just be Mr. Right now. Uh, And his travel through dating apps and navigating meeting friends of friends who could be Mr. Right now was... Was quite fascinating uh, what he would go through to find somebody uh, and kind of heartbreaking. There were some heartbreaking moments through here, um, not just with the the way things were left with his mom, but mom and her relationship. And, and you're right, Jim Parsons, there better be a second season because <laughs> when it told me we were done, I'm like, wait, what? No, <laughs> you don't mean that. 
I mean, yes, it could be fine where it is, but there's so much more story to tell. Um, I would totally watch Ryan again. I have to give a special shout out to, I don't didn't write it down, but the actress who plays his boss at the Wackadoodle web magazine was a riot as kind of the self-absorbed boss who just thinks she knows all the right answers and totally commits to that role. <laughs> she was hilarious. So yeah, I think we both recommend a special currently streaming on Netflix. Oh, one quick note before we uh, uh, transition to our literary reviews. Uh, Speaking of Jim Parsons, it was actually just announced Mm -hmm. last week um, that the entire cast of the Broadway revival of The Boys in the Band is going to be returning for a Netflix movie adaptation. So, Jim Parsons, once you're done with that this summer, uh, you better get cracking because you don't have a series to work on anymore. You better get working on special season two. There you go. (laughs) Will has spoken. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about books. Yes, let's talk about books. So, while I was traveling this week, I listened to uh, Straight Boy by Jay Bell. Uh, I went into this book without knowing too much about it, other than it was a young adult story involving Andrew, who's a gay high school student, who develops a crush on Carter, a straight or maybe not so straight boy. Uh, what made me buy the audiobook was the fact that I'm a huge Jay Bell fan because of something like Summer. And also for the Kurt Graves narration, I knew these two together would just give me a great read. I mean, how could you go wrong, right? And yes, they did give me a great read. Uh, With something like Summer and its sequels, Jay proved a master of telling a story with many characters, many plot lines, and all of those plots that involve an array of emotion. And I have to say, I think he's up to his game with Straight Boy. Two things happen right away. Andrew, who is a recent transplant to Chicago, discovers a boy who lives down the street having an argument with his parents and saying things like, I was born this way. So, of course, Andrew thinks he's got a gay friend in the neighborhood. Now, the next day, which is his first day at his new school, Andrew comes out as he introduces himself in class, and that makes him a target of the school bully, Bobby. Now, Andrew isn't going to put up with any shit, and he goes off on Bobby, even while he's being threatened by the bully. And, of course, things are misunderstood by the teachers, and it's Andrew who ends up getting sent to the guidance office. It's in here that he meets Carter and discovers that's the boy he heard arguing and he falls into an immediate crush. Now, both of them end up in a special program at school where the the learning happens outside a traditional classroom, and this lets them bond even more. And this really has Andrew's kind of year kind of set fully in motion for what's going to go on. Now, I think everybody, gay, straight, or otherwise, inevitably has that phase where you really want a romantic relationship that you can't have. There's somebody that you want to date or somebody that you want to know better who just, it doesn't work. Now, Andrew longs for Carter, but he also doesn't want to wreck their friendship, which really grows stronger by the minute. And Jay did such an amazing job here of showing what, how those small things that initially you've got in common just draw you closer and closer together. Now, the thing is that Carter seems to be a little experimental, too, and that only makes things more confusing for them both. In the hands of a lesser writer, this would end up a disaster on the page. But Jay deftly weaves all these emotions and circumstances for both guys as they figure out their place in each other's lives. And it evolves 
all the way through the school year. I cheered for their good stuff and wanted to protect them through the bad because I tell you, my 50-year-old self could easily and vividly recall how confusing 17 was. Now, Bobby, the bully, is also integrated deeply into Andrew and Carter's lives. He's a friend of Carter's, and that means Andrew is around Bobby far more than he likes. And he ends up putting up with more crap than he should. Andrew accepts dealing with that because he doesn't want to lose Carter. And it's made even harder when Carter started dating Bobby's ex, Olivia, and he has to help them cover up that relationship for a while. Along the way, another of Bobby's friends, Jackson, becomes tight with Andrew too, creating more bonds in the group. The evolution of Andrew and Jackson's friendship is also as interesting as Andrew and Carter's, even though it's not the primary thrust of this book. Now, things get rough in the last quarter of the book. Bobby doesn't like the changes that are happening to his group, and he plots revenge. This is where I have to warn folks a little bit. Not only does bullying happen throughout this story at varying levels, but as we get into this last act, there's also off-page sexual assault and a pretty epic final battle where Andrew Carter and the group are in way over their heads. And again, Jay does an excellent job of telling this story, ratcheting tensions and putting characters and readers through the ringer. But if this kind of material triggers you, you might want to proceed with caution through the through this book, actually. I have to say the epilogue was the icing on top of the cake. Jumping 20 years into the future, we find out where everyone ended up. There were some surprises here that made me go, oh, that I just didn't see coming. And it provided, to me, the perfect ending seeing where everybody kind of goes after high school, because it's always, of course, after high school, everybody changes as they move into the next phase of their lives. What this book excels at was showing friendships up close, what makes them grow, what rips them apart, and most importantly, what can make a true friend for life. It also shows, perhaps too intensely, the links people can go to in order to protect a relationship, even if it's toxic. I can't commend Jay enough for how well he did all this. Kudos to Kurt Graves, too. I know well from T.J. Klune's Green Creek series that Kurt can handle a large cast of characters and high emotional impact. Kurt is perfection here, handling the emotional roller coaster without sending it over to the top. His performance adds perfectly to what Jay had on the page. So all of that combines into me highly recommending Straight Boy by Jay Bell. Just make sure you're ready for that ride. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash BigGayFictionPodcast and see what we get up to next. So as we noted at the top of the show this past week, we were at the LA Times Festival of Books hanging out with a bunch of people. I enjoyed the fair better this year. Uh, I think because we knew what we were getting into with... A few thousand people on the USC campus. We got to explore more this year. I think we actually walked the entire thing and saw at least a few seconds of every single booth. Uh, once again, the LGBTQ representation was from Dream Spinner Press and from Interlude Press. It was great to catch up with them. What were your overall thoughts this year? Um, once again, uh, the LA Times Festival of Books does not dis disappoint. Um, if there was... Uh, a spare spot of grass <laughs> or 
I don't even know. The entirety of the campus is taken over by this festival. There is not an inch that isn't covered with a booth or a performance space of some kind. Um, books, books, and books-adjacent subjects are everywhere. Um, as Jeff mentioned, we did uh, this year uh, get the chance to walk the entire thing uh, and check out uh, the scene. Uh, it was very, very enjoyable. I pretty much crashed by the end of day two. Um, yeah. I did not pace myself. So uh, for anyone interested in trying it out in uh, next year, perhaps, um, be a little wiser than me. Uh, take your uh, sunscreen and your hat and be sure to stay hydrated uh, because this is sunny California we're talking about and it's outdoors. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. If uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great festival. I think we'll do a third year if I had to guess because we we learned how to pace better this year than last, and next year I think our goal will be to check out the schedule and see if we actually want to go see somebody's appearance rather than just wandering around looking at the books. Which of course there's nothing wrong with walking around looking at books. We also uh, talked to some authors while we were there, of course. So we're going to head into our interview sequence now, uh, where we talk to Julian Winters, uh, Kim Fielding, and Venona Keys at the same time, and uh, as well as Essay Stovall. So here are those interviews. We are at the LA Times Festival of Books with Julian Winters. Hi. Who I've just had a major fanboy moment over. Because <laughs> I, I had the fanboy moments. <laughs> okay, we kind of both had the fanboy yes, moment. Yes, this is equal. Uh, because I had to get him to sign my Running With Lions. Uh, podcast listeners know that it was one of my favorite books of last year. Oh, thank you. And... Uh, You've got a little sneak peek I do. right now of How to Be Remy Cameron, yes. which comes out September 10th. September 10th, yes. Tell us what this is about. Um, Remy is a very personal book. Um, it's about an out and proud uh, teen high school who has always felt like he's known himself until he has this AP Lit course. And one of the final grades, he has to write an essay about who am I? And it's like the make or break essay. He's trying to get into Emory University and he needs this course in order to get there. And so he has this kind of panic moment of, okay, but who am I? Because he's always been defined by, oh, he's the gay kid who came out at 14. Or, oh, he's you know one of five black students that go to our school. Or, oh, he's the big brother to this you know character. It's just all these labels he wears all the time. He's, this is who I am. But then he starts to realize, but is that all I am? And do these labels really define exactly who Remy Cameron is? So it's kind of an exploration of what labels mean to us, but it also has a great family dynamic, a couple of secret mystery parts I can't tell you about, but there's a lot of there's a lot of guessing games going on in it. And of course, it wouldn't be me if I didn't have like a dorky romance in there, so that's that's in there too. A dorky romance. Yes, I like that's that exactly because that's, what I promise you it's so it's so geeky, it's so dorky. That's kind of what Lions was yeah, as well, yes, for sure. Yeah. That, that's a yeah. good label for it. Yeah. How would you say that you're your writings evolve from first book to second? Oh, it's a lot, a lot. I uh, With the first book, I just kind of wanted to write the feel-good story, and that was my goal, and touching on certain issues throughout the book. And it also was written in third person, and Remy's written in first person. I've never, not even when I was like a small child, wrote in first person. I loved reading books like that, but I thought this, I, I just can't do that. It's just too personal. And so it was a challenge doing that, but it was a lot of fun. And Remy, like I said, is very personal. So exploring parts of myself and 
things that I see throughout, you know, our community and things like that. Uh, it really helped me grow as a writer to really say, okay, you can challenge yourself and you can fail at it, but you can also improve. And, and that was great. So to fail, like I, I, I struggled so much in the beginning, um, but to, to have that under my belt now, it's, I think I could write a lot of different stories. So you think you'll visit first again? Sometime? Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. The next, the next book I'm working on is for, I, first might be where I'm stuck now. I, I think I, this might be my calling. I don't know. Okay, I can tell you. First has a, first is a nice place to be. Yeah, it is. So, it is. <laughs> what are some elements of this book that are so personal to you? Um, growing up, uh, so I didn't. I grew up in upstate New York, where I was one of five uh, black students at my school and then we moved to Georgia I was one of 400 that went to my school so it was it was it's it's a very personal in the sense of I, I went through a lot of phases of am I too gay am I black enough am I too perfect as a friend am I a good enough friend a lot of things that I went through Remy goes through in the book um, it also explores my love for a lot of geeky things and how I, I for a while I wouldn't let that define me because I thought oh no this is bad people are people are going to make fun of me and <clears throat> Remy goes through that because he um, has a lot of geeky moments but it's almost like he's scared to show them now that he knows that these are the things that I'm defined by I love that you point out the geeky thing because I saw on your Instagram earlier today mm. of the comic books that you ran into here I, at the festival I, uh, <laughs> I, I um, listen I, I I almost had to leave, you know, our booth just to go, you know, bow down at the comic book um, booth and just say, listen, thank you. I love it. Now, let's talk about Lions for a second, because okay. you've had an amazing year. I mean, you started out of the gate that the book was blurbed by Becky Albertalli. Yeah. And now, just within the last week or two, you've won an award for it. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's it's been a wild uh, journey because... First of all, I ne like I never thought I'd meet Becca Evertali. I never thought I'd talk to her. I never thought you know I would become friends with her. Um, and then just meeting all the other people along the way that I've met and and growing in that area, I, I always felt like I was the kid sitting at the table in the corner where I peek over at all the cool kids and say, "Yeah, I'm never sitting at that table." But it's been kind of really awesome being taken in by so many different people and. I never thought I'd be an award-winning author. Like, I wanted to write the book for queer kids to enjoy, to see themselves, to know that, you know, you're not some other subcategory. You're just just a normal person. It's just, it's just a part of you. It doesn't define you. And to win an award, I, it, it, I broke down crying. It just, it wasn't something I, I was expecting going into this because my journey's always been about the reader. But to have something for myself was amazing still is amazing i'm not over it i i guess i won't be over it to actually hold the award in my hand and say this happened <laughs> this actually happened yeah, the cover exactly. too, what? yeah which was a stunning cover also won yes the cover won for best cover and that was so great for me in the sense that i love our cover um designer uh cb master she's amazing she reads all the books cover to cover um and so she knows these characters she knows their stories and what she did with that cover just blew me away what she did with with the Remy cover I I'm still in complete awe of how just how well she knows these characters mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how's the the when we talked back last year the book had hardly been out yeah how's the reader response been to it 
It's been amazing. Uh, today, just alone, I, just so many people walk by and say, oh my gosh, Running With Lions, I've heard of that book. And I'm just like, what? You heard of, of all the books that come out came out in 2018, you heard of that book? Um, the, the response has been amazing. The Going to the events and having people walk up to me and say, thank you for writing this book because I didn't have, there weren't, I've played soccer all my life, but there was never a queer soccer book. Or thank you for writing this because there was never, there weren't a lot of books with bisexual main characters or characters that were gay and Muslim or black characters or, or whatever it's been amazing the response I get I get teary-eyed every time I'm like I, I'm not I'm not strong enough for this we can't talk <laughs> um, but it's but it's also been so cool to know that I'm helping someone see themselves because I didn't always get that opportunity growing up so to know I'm getting to be a part of their journey it's just been amazing fantastic and what have you thought of the fair of the festival because oh, it's your first time yes out here. it's my first time here for the festival and I was talking to another friend about it because I, I went to Y'all West last year and Y'all West is this, it's a nice little corner and then this is like a whole city like it's <laughs> I, I get lost every time I go either to the bathroom or get something to drink it's a, but it's amazing because it brings so many different publishers so many different books together so many different genres so many different kinds of authors are here and that's the amazing part to me, just to, to know how influential books are, because there's people everywhere, all the time, stacks of books in their arms, and it, you don't really get to see that in like media, like how impactful books are, and how much people really enjoy the art that we put out there. So this has just been amazing to, to watch how excited people get when they see books. Yeah, it's, it's been very cool here. Yeah. So thank you so much for hanging out with thank us. Thank you, you know, I love you guys. Best of luck on I, How to Be you. Remy Cameron, coming out September 10th. We're at the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books with Kim Fielding and Venona Keys. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited to have you both here. Now, Kim, of course, within the past couple weeks, we've been we've raved about the spy's love song and mm. uh, the new Dream Spun Desires. Where did the inspiration for this book come from? Because it was so good. <laughs> I think a big part of the inspiration came from my travels in Eastern Europe. So you know, thinking about the way things used to be in Eastern Europe and how things are changing, plus politics as they're happening right now. And so, yeah, I think that was the main thing. What kind of research did you have to do to develop your spy and your, I guess, rock star who becomes kind of <laughs> along on this mission without even knowing he's on it? I didn't have to do too much research on the spy part or on the travel <laughs> part, but rock stars and music is not something I know anything or have any talent or anything else about so that that was where I had to do most of my research because I I don't know what it's like I don't know what it's like to be a rock star so I can't even sing so does that mean you know what it's like to be a spy hmm. mm, no I'm not you know I'm not I can't you develop have kids. <laughs> no, I <have> kids. <laughs> and you wrote song lyrics I too. did, yeah, I know, and it was really fun. And then in the in the audio version, my narrator drew back out, sang them, which was so cool. And it's like this is the closest I'm ever going to get to being a songwriter, <laughs> and it's so much fun to listen to. And I can pretend, you know, like I'm the next thing. <laughs> which actually raises the question: Did you give him an idea of what the melody for it was, or did no, he just kind of make that? I up? I had I had no I had no melody in mind. I didn't know he was going to sing. You know, when I when I write a book, I don't. I'm, I'm sorry, narrators. I don't think about what I'm doing to my narrators, and so sometimes I torture them. And I had—I I wasn't even thinking about a narrator singing it. So that was his idea, and I was so pleased. <laughs> and this is a little different in Dreamspuns as well. And I noted it in my review that you are single point of view here. Mm -hmm. Did you go into it deliberately that way, or just kind of 
organically it, discovered was the way to go. It made most sense for this book because there's some surprises about our spy character, and I think it makes a, it's, it's a lot more fun if we kind of discover those surprises along with the other character rather than knowing right from the start. So, you know, for some books, the dual point of view looks works really well, but for this one, I think this works well. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Now, this is part of a, a bigger series that's happening within the Dream Spuns. Tell us a little it bit is. about the series overall. Sure. So this, this series is called Stars from Peril, and this is the first book in it. The second book comes out next month, and that's uh, Redesigning Landry Bishop. And the third book, I just finished the first round of edits on. It'll be out in October, and that one is picture uh, Drawing the Prince. We went over several titles on that one. And so what all three of them have in common is the main characters are from the same small town in Nebraska called Peril, Nebraska. And all three main characters have made it big in some way. So our first guy is a rock star. Our second guy is kind of a Martha Stewart type. And the third guy is an artist. And so they've made it big in the world and they meet someone. And so you can read each of them as a standalone but and or in any order you want to. But you'll kind of see the characters appearing a little bit in one another's stories. It didn't even click for me that it was the name of the town, too. Right. Because Peril plays into the their exactly. and I honestly cheated a little bit on that there is a real town and a tiny little town I think there's like 60 people in it in Nebraska called Hazard Nebraska so peril yeah. peril I mean, it's a great name yeah. it works yeah. now people may be wondering why do we have both of them here together well Venona and Kim also co-write tell us about that book running blind I will tell you this came about some years ago in Portland at our Dream Spinner meetup and she pulls me aside now you have to understand that I was such a fan of Kim I loved Brute I loved all of her stuff and then she's talking to me and I'm like <laughs> you sure you're talking to me because you know I only co-write I'm really bad at you know doing it by myself and she goes oh yeah I heard on NPR and that's how it started because uh, Peter Sagal who's out of Chicago because wait, wait, don't tell me. He is a running guide for blind people for marathons. So we, she had the idea, and we came up with running blind. And the reason why Venona was such a perfect choice is because, unlike me, she does triathlons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I didn't have to do the research on on marathon running, which no. was or guide thing. running guides either. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, that's your department. I'm like, all right, we can do this. So yeah, and it's um, it's a wonderful book, and we decided that. We wanted to have a second story because in the beginning, uh, and it's not giving a spoiler away, is uh, Kyle and Matt, who have been friend, who went to college together, were friends, became lovers, and now they're in a comfortable pattern, and they really love each other, but as brothers rather than lovers. So, when something happens to Kyle, Kyle breaks it off, and he goes, "You got to go do stuff," and Matt's reluctant. But uh, this story is about Kyle and how he deals with the things that have happened in his life. So the next book that we're writing, the working title is Belaying, is Matt's story about how he finds romance after the breakup. And when do we get to see that one come out? TBD. 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 <laughs> well, that one's still in progress. Yeah, so it's still in progress. It's now in my hands, and uh, so we switch back and forth when we write. And I need to get it back to Kim. So hopefully... And you've got some other co-write coming, too. You're working with Shira Anthony as well. Shira Anthony, it is another story. It's actually about a farmer and a city boy. So that one is coming up soon, and that's in honor of a friend of ours from GRL. So we're writing a story about a farmer, which he is, and who's not out, and a city boy who is. So it's a lot of fun. We already have the outline, and we're just getting started on writing that as well, too. Very cool. Anything else coming up we should know about? 
Yes, um, how to become a K-pop idol. I am writing that one by myself. We might get a co-writer on that one, you never know. But uh, that one is, uh, I am, if people aren't familiar with this, I am, I love uh, Korean culture, a lot of Asian culture, Japanese, Korean. I'm learning Korean. Uh, I've been a K-pop fan since 2009, proudly. Before with it was Big cool. Bang, before it was cool. <laughs> and uh, right now, my biases right now, because Big Bang, if you don't know in Korea, you have to go in for military service, mandatory by the time 30. So a lot of the K-pop idols are going in. So new ones are coming up. So the third gens right now is BTS. If you've not heard of Bantan Songdan, BTS, they're really big. They're the band that I'm following right now. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Anything coming up for you, Kim, outside yeah, so, of the Peril series? Yeah, outside of the Peril series at the end of this month. So April 30th, I've got a new novella coming out. So if people who are following my Bureau series, there'll be a new novella in that. And I'm, I want to push that because I give all the all my royalties for that to Doctors Without Borders. Okay. So this is the fourth story in that series, but you can read them as standalones, too. And they're Very awesome cool. stories, too. Thanks. I love those. And what have you guys thought of the festival? You know, this is the first time I've been here, and it is awesome. There's just so many people here. There's so many different books, and you get to browse them all at the same time instead of in a little bookstore somewhere. So, yeah. And it's been a lot of fun just kind of hang out with everybody. Mm -hmm. LA is fun, so it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Hey, very cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Thanks, thanks for asking us. And we're at the LA Times Festival of Books with S.A. Stovall. Thanks so much for being here with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's super exciting. <laughs> now, you're the author of The Vice City, uh, currently two books in the <laughs> series. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the series is. Uh, it's a crime thriller, like a noir style. Um, ironically, if you've ever read Sin City, which is a graphic novel, it's kind of similar to that. Um, I used to work at a courthouse, and I, you know, I got a law degree and was an attorney and all that. I'm not, I don't do that anymore because it's a little depressing. But <laughs> I used some of my experience in that to uh, to write the series, and I really like like redemption stories and like criminals turning it around. That's what I did in the courts, is I helped a lot of drug addicts uh, get to rehab and and turn their life around. And so I really, I'm really into that kind of story. So the the series follows an ex-mobster who, like, you know, leaves the mob and then becomes a private detective and then, you know, shenanigans ensue. Shenanigans <laughs> ensue. Yeah. And he's consistent through the through the series? Mm-hmm. He's the main viewpoint. Um, there's a romance uh, subplot in which he uh, falls in love with, like, a police academy uh, cadet and... And obviously that's his end of the police. And, you know, again, more shenanigans ensue that way. So <laughs> uh, in the sequel book that just came out, the, one of the subplots is that a police officer suspects the main character's actual identity, that he had connections to the mob and used to be a mob enforcer. And so he's out to to prove that it's him. So there's, you know, it's, it's a thriller series. It's got lots of thrills. <laughs> Mystery, suspense, thrills. It's all there. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what got you into starting to write these books? So I had a friend who really liked Dream Sprinter Press, and I used to write uh, just books like short stories um, for my D&D group because they really liked, you know, fantasy and all that kind of stuff. So I wrote short story fantasies, and she was like, my God, you should write me uh, a Dream Spinner style novel. Like, that's what you should write for me. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I can, if I can do it as good as all these other people, but I'll try. And that's, I wrote Vice City for her specifically. I even put that in the dedication. I'm like, it's just for you. Uh, I didn't think that it would go anywhere because, you know, I was just like, okay. Um, but I got an agent 
after I wrote this, and then the agent sold it to uh, Dream Spinner, and then they published it for the DSP line because that's where they do their like genre stuff. Like, right? Yeah. What well, doesn't necessarily have the romance in it? Right. Yeah. Well, mine mine does, but it's not the focal point. The focal point is the you know mystery and the monster story. So, um, I was very surprised. I didn't think it would go anywhere, but it, it totally went somewhere. So, every time somebody's like, "Oh, I don't know if I should write a novel," there's a piece of me that's like, "Man, I just wrote that novel willy nilly." Okay. <laughs> so you should try. You should do it. You should try. Now, admittingly, you know, I uh, I, I was writing before I wrote this because I wrote other stories and short stories, but still. If, you th- if you're thinking about it, you should just do it, you know. And then don't even think to yourself, oh, nobody will read this. Because I kind of thought, nobody's going to read a crime noir, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, that's old school. Nobody reads that kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> but, uh, no, people do, and people like it. So, I was really happy. And you noted that the, the second book just came out. Do you have plans for, for third? Or what, what yeah. else is that? What, what is yet to come? <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, I'm about halfway through the third book. And it's, it's a true series in the sense that it could go for as long as I wanted or, you know, that kind of thing. It's not like a trilogy or a set thing, like, oh, something needs to happen. But, um, you know, as a private investigator, anything can happen. You know, all sorts of shenanigans can ensue. But, Very true. Uh, Very true. Um, there is a connecting theme. The whole reason that it's the Vice Enforcer is that the mob that he used to work for was the Vice family. And they're still around by book three, so you can kind of see the, like, he's trying to take them down one one by one. And so... Um, I guess I could be limited to, and then he got the whole Vice family, and then the series is <laughs> over. But you know, there's there's that connecting thread too. So now that you've been writing in this genre, do you want to expand out to other genres, or mm, I is, have is, a, is, is noir thriller kind of your your sweet spot? Well, it's just a thing that I like a lot. That I thought you know nobody likes this anymore, but I I, I like it. Uh, I wrote Modern Gladiator, which is just a pure romance for Dream Spinner. Um, it was a sports romance with UFC fighter. Oh, cool. Um, I, a few years back, was dating a guy who was in the UFC. And so I just used all of that experience to write a sports romance. And I know a lot about, you know, um, uh, wrestling and all that kind of stuff just from him. And I put a lot of that kind of information in the book. So that, and it, that literally just came out about two weeks ago. So Oh, cool. Yeah, all Modern right. Gladiator came out. And then I do a lot of fantasy and science fiction on the side as well so I mean all sorts of things all crazy things very cool now you're also an artist yes that's true so well 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 she's been while she's been here doing her signings and such she's also been doing caricatures of people who get their books signed yep. and so we had this one done of us it is so freaking adorable how did this get started for you um I've just always drawn things. I liked doodling. Um, I, re- I was really into comic books at a point in my life. I mean, so many comic books and manga. I mean, anything that was drawn and kind of that like storybook style with the panels, super loved. But I, I didn't really intend for it to go anywhere. I went and got my history degree. I got a law degree. I didn't. I wasn't like, man, I need to study art. But I did at least doodle enough that I was like, oh, I'm mildly good, you know. And when I went to my first ever book fair, I thought, I can't just be the schmo who's standing in a booth trying to peddle their book because I'm going to be like 50 other people in the row doing the exact same thing. I should try and do something that's at least enticing or to get people to read my stuff. And I figured, hey, I could draw little caricatures. And while I'm drawing them, they can read my book. And if it's enticing enough, you know, they'll they'll buy the book or they'll feel guilty enough to buy the book. You know, I, I don't know. Whatever, whatever gets them to buy the book. So, um 
And a lot of people usually give me comments right away, like the first line in Vice City. Everybody always comments, or not everybody, but like 80% of people. So the first line is, um, getting hit with the wrench hurts. And so many people either laugh or comment like, oh my God, what a good line. And I'm like, yeah. And the, the first chapter in Vice City is, uh, is an interrogation of that police cadet. So Pierce, the mobster, is interrogating this guy who he thinks is a police mole. So it's really intense, you know, high stakes going on. I really like that first chapter, and it usually hooks people. So they read that first chapter while I'm drawing them, and bam, that's my sales strategy. Don't steal it. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Everybody can hers. use it. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> the key is, like, I could never draw. There's uh, yeah. no way I could do this. I'd have to find another hook. Yeah, but that's just, uh, I've been successful with it. People typically like that. And the characters are free. I just give them to people. So even if they don't buy the book, you know, it's it's fine. And it's awesome watching her do them. We watched as she did ours. It's like, oh, my God, there we are, just manifesting on the page. It was very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us a little bit. One last question. What have you thought of the fair? good there are a lot of people here though i mean just thousands of people all over the place uh going to the food trucks was fun although not during lunchtime yeah. there's like a mile long line from here to the sun and back nobody wants to do that but uh the food trucks are good the people seem to be really nice and i don't know it's just a good time excellent well thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us yeah thank you for having me again like super awesome Thanks again to everybody that took a moment from their festival time to talk to us. Now, while I was putting the interviews together, I realized we didn't actually say what award Julian Winters won for Running With Lions. It was the Benjamin Franklin Award, which comes from the Independent Book Publishers Association. Julian won for Best Teen Fiction. And as he mentioned, C.B. Messer won for Best Cover. So congrats again to them. Now, if you missed that caricature that S.A. Stovall did of us, or you just weren't watching the video, there is a link in the show notes uh, in the interview transcript where you can see that. Uh, it was super cute, and I loved watching her uh, do that of us. It was fun. Yeah, definitely. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Hey, did you know that the Big Gay Fiction Podcast has its very own Patreon page? Well, we do. Uh, in case you don't know, Patreon is a way for fans to engage with all kinds of artists and writers and musicians and podcasters as well. It's a great way to support the kinds of creative content that you enjoy the most. If you're curious about what kind of bonus material we deliver to our fans every single month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash biggatefictionpodcast. Now, coming up next week, we have Hank Edwards and Deanna Wadsworth. They're going to join us to talk about their new book, Murder Most Lovely, which kicks off the Lacetown murder series. They have written such a twisted series here. <laughs> Funny, bizarre circumstances. I had a great <laughs> time talking to them about it, and I think you all will enjoy listening to them as well. Cool, guys. So you definitely want to check that out. Guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. So until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.